Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Pasha's Balak, and we're going to continue talking about the halachas of Rafuah on Shabbos, and this is part two. Next week, Emirat Hashem, I hope to go through the halachas of the three weeks, and then after that, we'll go through the halachas of the nine days. Emirat Hashem. <clears throat> so, if someone is not sick, but he is suffering from pain, then it's not permitted to take any medication or apply any treatment to ease the pain, even if the pain is great. We, last week we went through the four categories of refua, and the first one was when it's an emergency situation, life or death, life-threatening. The second was when a limb is at risk. And the third is when the person is actually sick, is actually sick. And the last one is when someone is not sick, but he's in pain. And that's called a mechosh. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because when that, in that situation, that's really where all the halachas of refuah apply. That's where Chazal said, you can't take any refuah, as we explained last week, because they were worried you'll come to do a malacha in the process. So included in this category are people suffering from a headache, I mean, it's not a headache that knocks you off your feet, but a headache, you know, one that you would like to take Tylenol for, or allergies, minor burns, injuries that have already been treated professionally but are causing pain, digestive problems, ear problems, minor toothaches, fungal infections, hemorrhoids, insomnia, joint pain, and so on. All of these don't make us sick. They don't force us into bed, although they can be quite painful and irritating. Now, if the pain is so great that we can't function, then we would be considered a chayla, and the halacha is different. But I'm, not, I'm talking about when it's not that kind of bad. It's not that terrible. The distinction really between a chayla and someone who's in pain typically is understood to be that a chayla is someone who's weak, who the sickness or whatever it is that's afflicting him makes him physically weak and he needs to be in bed. It weakens him or her. But in addition, sometimes certain ailments, they, even if they don't weaken a person, they, they just are so overwhelming that you simply can't function and you have to be in bed. And then that's also a chayla, that has a different halacha, medication can be taken. But here we're talking about that that's not the situation. It hasn't weakened the person and it hasn't made him, you know, taken over his life to the extent where he has to be in bed. It's just something that's painful, it's bothersome. And there, all medications, remedies, treatments, even natural remedies are not allowed. There are a few exceptions to this rule. So that's what I want to discuss today. What are the exceptions to this rule? When is it that you actually are allowed to take medication, even for just a mechosh, for something that's just painful? So one exception is, and actually the truth is this is not even an exception, this is kind of simple, is that taking medication Erev Shabbos, which has a slow release effect so that it'll medicate you on Shabbos as well, obviously that would be allowed because you're not taking it on Shabbos, you're taking it out of Shabbos. And it's good to realize that many medications, including med- me- pain medications, have this option. So if a person is in a situation where they're worried that they're going to be suffering on Shabbos, it might be a good idea to investigate if there's a slow release option to the particular medication you need, and then you can take it out of Shabbos and It'll give you relief throughout Shabbos on a slow-release basis. That's a good thing to know. That's, that's not even a, an exception. That's Pashut that it's allowed. 
the first actual exception, which is very similar and will become very relevant this year, uh, that Shabbos is Erev Tishabav, is when you take a slow-release medication on Shabbos, but not for its effects on Shabbos, but rather for its effects later. Right now you're not sick. So this is relevant, for example, this year when Tishabav is on Sunday and they make these slow-release Tylenols or a Kaletzaim, you know, the fasting aid pill. And you want to be able to take that on Shabbos so that it will assist you with fasting on Sunday. Now, on Shabbos, there's actually absolutely nothing wrong with you. You don't need any Tylenol and you don't need uh, any help fasting because you're not. But you take them so that they will release their medication slowly and help you on Sunday when you're fasting on Tisha B'Av. This has two inherent problems with it, but both are actually allowed, but very specifically in the situations that I'm going to mention, because you can't really compare this to anything else. It's, it's, very, it's, it's a very delicate kind of hat. It's very specific to these two things. So the two problems here, technically, is one is that you seem to be doing refu on Shabbos, you're taking medication, and the second is achana, you're preparing for a weekday. But my former Rosh Kailo and, and Rebbe, Rebbe Shleiman Miller Shlita and Rosh Kailo in Toronto, he allowed this. So why did he allow? He allowed it because he explained that the me- a medication which has no effect now, and you're not sick now, and the kind of medication that it is, like Tylenol, which isn't truly a medication, doesn't really cure you, or Kaleitzayim, which doesn't actually cure any kind of ailment. So in those very specific cases, you, they're not prohibited under the Isra of Rufu on Shabbos. And he, he explained why it's not Hachana as well. That's a little bit academic. We don't have to get into that right now. So bottom line is he allowed to take the, these kind of medications, which are slow release. You can take it on Shabbos when you're okay so that it will help you fast on Sunday. You can take the slow release of Tylenol, the Kalei That can be taken on Shabbos and it'll have a later effect. A very similar concept is um, if you take, let's say, a Tums. So if you have already indigestion on Shabbos, then you're not allowed to take a Tums because there's something wrong with you, and you're sick, and you're using Tums to heal yourself. That's not allowed. But let's say you're anticipating that you might be suffering from indigestion after you eat the Shabbos meal, so you want to take Tums in advance of the Shabbos meal when you're fine. So that also he allowed. So I wouldn't uh, want to compare this to anything else and to um, try to extrapolate to any other situations, but these three situations you can rely on this heter. A, on this year when Arab Shabbos, when Shabbos is there of Tisha B'av, you can take a slowly released Tylenol pill or a uh, Kalahat Saim pill. And also you can do that, which is to take Tums before a meal so that it has an effect for after the meal. And also very specifically, Tums, not Zantac or something that's a proper medication, those also, those wouldn't be included in the set. Very specific to those, those three things. That's one exception to this halacha. Another exception to this halacha is when you're taking medication which has a regimen. has a regimen of a few days or weeks or months. And this is obviously relevant for many antibiotics, but the truth is generally antibiotics are taken for something which can be life-threatening if it's not treated. If a person has an infection, then you have to take antibiotics or it can, it can if it develop into something life-threatening. But uh, there are many other kinds of medications which have a regimen which are not nothing to do with life-threatening. There are fungal medications which you have to take for weeks or months. 
and it's really just for mainly for something which is just unsightly. There are you know skin medications, there are all different kinds of medications that a person takes only for an issue which is at best a mechosh. It's not something which is life-threatening and you're not a chayla, but it's a medication you take every day. And you have to take it every day for a certain amount of time. And then there is a hetter to do it. And the, and the reasoning behind this hetter is that since you have a regimen and you began before Shabbos, so we aren't worried, Chazal wouldn't be worried that you're going to come to grind up medications or do a malacha because you knew in advance that you need this medication. You knew and you had begun already taking this medication, so the, the svara is you would have prepared that in advance and therefore it's not included in the Isser before. So hetter, exception number two, is that when you have a regimen, and you've already begun before Shabbos, then you can continue through Shabbos, taking this, following this regimen and taking the pills. The third exception to this rule is when medication is taken for something that isn't really a refuah, it doesn't really have to do with being sick. For example, number, a number of examples to this. Um, diet pills are an example. Caffeine pills are an example. They, you're not a person who's not sick. They just want to help controlling their appetite. Or caffeine pills, they just need more caffeine. Um, if someone can't sleep and they want to take sleeping pills, that's also something which is not considered a refuah because you're not sick and you're not suffering from any ailment. They don't cure anything. There are Paiskim who prohibit these, so it's better not to utilize these things on Shabbos unless you absolutely have to, but the fact is that the, there is a very good reasoning behind this hetter, so one can um, comfortably rely on this hetter. Another example, which actually has both exceptions, is the birth control pills. They have both the hetter of a regimen, and they also aren't really a refuah. So those, have that, those pills have both those hetterim, and that's why it's allowed to be taken on Shabbos. There are some more exceptions to this rule on Yerut Hashem. When we continue this series, uh, after we finish with the three weeks and the nine days, we'll continue to address these halachas. Parshas Balak, <clears throat> it focuses solely on the attempts of Bilam to destroy Klal Yisrael through cursing them. He was a, a Navi, a Navi who Hashem spoke with, yet he displayed the worst possible character traits to the point where Chazal and Perkei say that someone who is haughty, he's a Balgaiva, he's jealous of other people, he has kinah, or, and he's never satisfied with what he has. He is a Talmud of Bilam. Bilam was so proficient in these evil traits that he's considered the Rosh Hashiva of all subsequent generations in these issues. They, they look to Bilam for inspiration. Now, how is it that such a low and, and despicable person became a Navi, a Navi that Hashem spoke to? So Rashi asks this question, and he says that Hashem had to prove to the nations of the world that even though they had a Navi, and who was equal to Moshe in certain regards, they still didn't achieve what Klai Yisrael achieved. The nations say, if we only would have had a Navi like Moshe, we would have been so good, we could have achieved so much. So Hashem said, no problem, I'll give you Bilam. What happened? They actually became even worse. Because up till Bilam's generation, the nations, they had certain moral limits. Because of what they had suffered in the Mabel, they held themselves back from indecent behavior from Arias. But Bilam convinced them to break those boundaries and send their daughters to entice and seduce Klai Yisrael, and he broke a convention, a convention which had lasted a thousand years. So he, he, he dragged them lower than they had been. 
So the obvious question over here is that if a nation, the nations want the Navi so that they could become better, so Hashem gives them Bilam, how is that fair? That's, that, does, that doesn't answer their issue. How, he was a Russian. He's not going to make them any better. They say they want a Navi, we want to get better, and Hashem gives them Bilam. What, 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 kind of, what kind of, how is that, how can you justif- justify that? So the answer is that Bilam started out as a worthwhile choice for a Navi, he had, definitely had the potential to be a great and a righteous person. The issue is that Hashem granted him Nevoah as a gift. He didn't work for it. And that gift eventually destroyed him. The nations of the world, they insisted, if we only had a Navi, that would change everything. Now, they could have gotten a Navi the conventional way, through tremendous effort and work that it takes to achieve that goal through working on one's character to become per- perfect, perfecting yourself the way that the Navi, a Navi had to perfect himself in order that Hashem should speak to him. But instead, that's not what they did. They cried foul, and they said, we've been discriminated against. So Hashem granted Nevuah as a gift to Bilam. What happened? It corrupted him. His instant elevation to greatness, it destroyed him. He hadn't gained the level through intense character refinement. He hadn't worked on his desires. He hadn't worked on his singular focus on Avaida. And suddenly he was a Navi. And now the whole civilized world was sending him letters, asking him for advice, and they were paying him handsomely. So what do you expect? He became the world's leading expert on being a Balgaiva, on desiring more and more wealth and not accepting anyone else. This is what Hashem was trying to show them. He was trying to show this to the nations of the world. There are no shortcuts, and there's no discrimination. If you get something as a gift, even the vua, it will not help you. It's going to destroy you. Every level that Klai Yisrael achieved, they sweated buckets to get to that. They endured centuries of slavery in Mitzrayim to perfect their humility and service to Hashem, among many other character traits. And this is something that you can see anywhere in life. A person wins the lottery, it potentially destroys them. People inherit a business business they didn't work hard to build, they ruin it. Nothing comes without work, and hard work makes everything worth it. We see this later in the parasha as well. Bilam says, Tamais nafshi mais yisharam. I want to die the death of the just. So the Mepharshim explained this to mean he wanted to die and merit the world to come the way the others did. They were the yisharam. I want to die like the others died. But to do that, you have to live like the others. It doesn't come as a gift. I saw a story about Rav Moshe Pardu Zatzal. He was the founder and the one responsible for the organization Arachaim, which for years was the only from seminary for Sephardi girls in Eretz Yisrael. It grew to be a tremendous mindset under his leadership. The school started out originally as a small organization with a few girls the leadership of Rabbi Eliezer Ben David, and Rav Moshe Pardu was actually a, a working man who helped out with the money. He would encourage other Balabatim to donate as well. But once the Moses became larger, the organization became larger, Rabbi Eliezer Ben David handed over the full responsibility for raising money to this Rabbi Pardu. And he stopped his business and became a full-time fundraiser, something incredibly hard to do. He went from being the donator to the person begging for donations. But he undertook the task and he traveled the world to raise money. He used to say, I made a partnership with Hashem. I create debts and he pays them. So Ramesha became sick, unfortunately, and passed away. And on the last Shabbos of his life, 
a different Sephardi Rav, Rabbi Ba'adani, was with him. Rav Moshe Padu turned to him and said, I feel like these are my last few moments. I've already said Shema, and I've said Vidui. What else should I do? So Rav Ba'adani suggested he be Mekayim the Mitzvah of Ahava Hashem. Rav Padu began to mumble, Ani kol kachal I love him so much, again and again and again, until he passed away with those words on his lips. And that, that's Tamois Nafshi Moisi Sharm. If someone lives a life with Hashem, lives a life of closeness to Hashem, lives a life of trusting Hashem, sacrificing everything he has to become close to Hashem, then he dies that way as well. And this is what Hashem was demonstrating to the nations of the world. You haven't been discriminated against. Everybody and anybody can achieve. Everybody gets that opportunity, but they have to work hard. And if they don't, and they get it as a gift, it will be, have the opposite effect. It will be destructive. And that's such a powerful muster for all of us, such a powerful point that we, what we work hard on, whatever we achieve through hard work, is something which is ours, is something which, which defines us and something which we can grow from. And anything we wish we could have, any level we wish we could have that we didn't work for, is, is by definition not a good thing for us. Have a <clears throat> wonderful Shabbos and a good night.